0: never know how many announcements are gonna roll, so I'm always a little concerned, like am I gonna be standing up there for most of the the announcements, but I think I I timed it okay this morning. You guys doing well? Yes, yes, good, good. It's a pleasure to be back with you this morning. We just flew in last night from New York. We were there for about four days, and it wasn't the trip we had planned, but it worked out, so thankfully we made it back last night, and my family and I are a little groggy, but we had a good time. we were there for a family wedding, and so I got to officiate for my cousin, who, it was just a super cool experience, you know, like you never dream that you're going to be able to stand there with them on that day, and um, and just be by their side. So it was a really amazing um, opportunity, I was super honored to be there. As uh, the Rev. staff already said, Pastors Craig and Renee are away this week, and they will be back with us, I think they're actually back in town tomorrow, so they'll be traveling, pray for them. Um, pray for Josiah and all the transitions that are going on. Um, It's kind of funny because the last time I spoke, they weren't here either. That was actually planned. This time when we did the speaking schedule, they were supposed to be here. So I'm actually not just pinch hitting this morning. It was a plan. So I promise you that. And so the joke is that they promised they're going to be here at some point when uh, they've asked me to share. So you know, we'll see when that happens, right? I'm not offended. It's all good. So we just blessed them this morning. And uh, I don't know if they're probably in church service or on the road. I'm not sure. But wherever they are, we blessed them and uh, Josiah's new journey. So how many of you have kind of been following along or been here over the last, I believe it's been about three weeks. This is week four of our series that we've been going through. I never said that. You guys kind of following that, you've been here, you kind of know where we've been at with it. So, um, so far we have covered three of the five that we're going to go through. Today's going to be the fourth. And so we what we have covered is that Jesus never said that we get to do what makes us happy. Pastor Craig spoke on that last week, I believe. And the fact that obedience in our lives actually matters. And the funny thing about obedience is we can start with the thought of, oh, I don't really want to do that, but God is asking that of me, so I guess I'm gonna do it. And oddly enough, we end up the happiest we'll ever be in our lives if we will just follow the plan that God puts in front of us. Amen. Amen. There's gonna be a little bit of interaction today, so you know. Your, your voice is ready. So the second thing that we have discussed is that Jesus never said that we don't have to forgive people. Sometimes we like to think that it's easier to push you to the side, to ignore it, to um, just kind of let time heal. Time doesn't heal. Jesus heals. And so our forgiveness is part of that healing journey, journey that we face with him. And so forgiveness is a big deal to the Lord. It's a big deal to us um, as his children. We've also discussed the fact that Jesus never actually said, don't judge. And we hear the phrase, only God can judge me, you know, and that kind of thing. Actually, we've learned and gained a better understanding of our place biblically in the judgment of situations of others and what the scripture actually says pertaining to the topic of judgment. So this morning, we're going to continue our series. And Jesus actually never said that we wouldn't have pain in this world. Wouldn't it be marvelous if that wasn't true? Wouldn't it be great? I think that it would be pretty amazing if we just came to him, we gave our life to him, and all of a sudden it was just utopia. Wouldn't that be great? But unfortunately that's not the case, and he never said that we wouldn't experience pain in this side of heaven. So in fact, pain is as sure of a promise to us as our forgiveness of sin is. If We can be certain that the Lord has forgiven us as soon as we come to him, we are certain that at some point in our life we will face something that is unbearable. There are certain things in our life that uh, decisions we make, circumstances that we kind of create, they're self-inflicted and we find ourselves in pain because of them. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. That's not what I'm talking about because that's self-inflicted. We did that to ourselves. Sometimes we knew better. Sometimes we didn't know better until after we did it. But still, that's not, not the, um, the topic this morning talking about the fact that honestly, and you can wave at me if you've been there, life is painful. There are moments and there are times that, man, oh man, can we just skip this? Like fast forward, move on. And there are things that are beyond our control. There are things that we just can't, we can't do. And I've heard, and probably a lot of you have heard, well-meaning people say things like, well, God will only give you what you can handle. Wave at me if you've heard it wave at me if you have been the well-meaning person that said it to somebody yeah we've all kind of done it right but that's actually not what first corinthians 10:13 is referencing here that is a reference to temptation that is another topic for a whole nother time so they kind of don't go together pain will happen emotional pain physical pain mental anguish it will happen situations will come and they will go we're glad to see them go right situations and things that will come that we we truly cannot handle on our own right so not any under under any circumstance not under any moment can we handle it by ourselves and if we were capable why would we need a savior why would we need would we need a Jesus if we could do it on our own right we are a million percent incapable of certain things and of walking through certain things without him most things we're not capable of walking through without him And while pain is inevitable in our lives, we know that we have a hope and a plan that's found only in Jesus. It's only in him, right? So Jeremiah 29.11, I'm going to read it for you this morning. We will have, um, oh, it is on the screen. Look at that. Thanks, Joel. Most of my my notes and things will be up there, so you can kind of reference there if you'd like. 29.11, and this is out of the Amplified, so it's a little bit different. It says, I know the plans and thoughts I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of peace and well-being not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. How many of you know sometimes the painful season feels like it's going on and on and on? It never ends, right? We are like continuing, continually in this tunnel of just, here we go. No light, it's just dark, we don't know where we're going, what's happening. But I have good news, seasons don't last forever. It's a season, and San Diego seasons last forever. We have one hot, dry season. In other parts of the country, they have seasons. But eventually, you see, winter turns to spring, spring to summer, summer to fall. It ends. It changes. For that, we can be thankful. When I was growing up, there was, um, and we still say it to this day, if I say the phrase to you, God is good, what's your response? And if I say, all the time? All right. We say it. We we throw it out. We understand, um, in part, what we're saying, right? We say it like rolls off the tongue. But if I ask you this morning, has God still been good in our pandemic? That's a little deeper, right? Is he still good in the moments you found yourself in, in the middle of everything that has occurred in the last year and a half? Is your answer still yes? Yes. Yes. Is he still good this week in in Afghanistan where we saw tragedy happen, right? doesn't matter where you sit politically, it was tragedy, Is he still good? Yes. Yes, he is still good. Right? Uh, A quote that I found by a lady by the name of Krista Black. It says this. If you're not anchored in the goodness of God, you will lower your theology to match your pain. I'm going to read it again because it's good. If you're not anchored in the goodness of God, you will lower your theology to match your pain. If I don't know he is good in every situation... My faith will be up one day, and it will be down the next. And every so often, it'll be in the middle somewhere. But if I know that he is good, I can rest in the assurance that he is in control, that he loves me, that there's nothing happening that he has given up his rights and his authority of, because he is good. So this morning, I want to be sure-footed in our theology before we move on. We need to know who God truly is in our lives and not allow the pain The hardships that we're going through or we've been through to shape our view of who he is. He is good. Look at the person next to you and say, he's good. All the time. (laughs) Being a bad God goes against his nature. He doesn't know how to be bad. Okay? He cannot be bad because he's only good. He doesn't punish you with illness in this life. He's a loving father. He doesn't do those things to us. He doesn't sprinkle a little disaster on you. He doesn't um, dash a little trauma on you to mess with you. He doesn't find pleasure in your pain. Okay? That's mean. Wouldn't that be a mean God? If that's how he treated his children? But he is love. The scripture tells us that he is love. These things, though, they will happen because of a broken, fallen world plain and simple, not because there's a God who gets pleasure from messing with our lives. And as a parent, I have two kids. I hate to see my kids in pain. I hate it. All you want to do is fix it as a parent, right? So how terrible of a a human, of a parent would I be if when they were hurting, I decided to put like, you know, put a little salt in their wound and make it worse for them, right? That's ridiculous. That's like absurdity as a parent. So God is a good father, he's a loving father, and he would never do that to us, never. So let's allow our theology to be anchored in his goodness this morning so that we'll never question his love and his motives for us and for our families. We have to talk about the fact that there's pain, but I really wanna focus on the fact of his goodness this morning. So we're gonna move through this and I wanna make it clear though before I move on that Jesus did no pain. He did know it. He understands it. He understands what we are going through in this, in this world. Um, he knew it, what it was to experience the pain of betrayal. We read, we read the story of Judas, who sold him out for a few pieces of silver, right? There's the pain of betrayal. We knew, uh, he knew what it was to be abandoned when uh, the crowds that, you know, days before he made his triumph, triumphant um, arrival into Jerusalem And a few days later, they screamed, crucify him from the rooftops, basically. Right? Uh, He was abandoned by them. He knew the pain of grief and loss. And we read that in the story of Lazarus' death. And the Bible says that Jesus wept. He just wept over the loss of his friend. He knew immense physical pain when he went to the cross. And he knew mental anguish as he looked and saw his father turn his face from him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So Jesus knows. He knows what we're facing. He knows what we're going through. And he's been there. And because he was not a stranger to pain, we won't be either. I hate that, but it's the truth, right? And we're not going to continue to stay in this funk my whole message, but I had to get a few things out of the way. Okay? So praise God he doesn't leave us in our pain. He doesn't leave us there. He's too good for that. So we're going to look at some scripture this morning that does in fact let us know that we'll experience it. And we're going to kind of go on from there, okay? So if you have your Bible, I'm going to be in uh, John chapter 16, verses 16 through 23. And uh, go ahead and turn there. It's up on the screen as well. All right. Verse 16. A little while, and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean when he tells us a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? And because I am going to my father, so they were saying, what does he mean when he says a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. I really appreciate the confusion of the disciples in this passage. Like, what is happening? What is he talking about? It's so confusing. confusing. <clears throat> Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Are you wondering among yourselves about what I meant when I said a little while and you will not see me? And again a little while and you will see me? Well, yeah. Verse 20. I assure you and most solemnly say to you that you will weep and grieve in great mourning, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Verse 21. A woman, when she is in labor, has pain because her time to give birth has come. But when she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of her joy that a child has come into the world. So for now you are in grief, but I will see you again. And then your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away from you the great joy. Verse 23. In that day, you will not need to ask me about anything. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whatever you ask in my name, as my representative, he will give you. Until now, you have not... You have not asked the Father for anything in my name, but now ask and keep on asking, and you will receive so that your joy may be full and complete. So, Jesus is attempting to prepare them for his absence and for the fact that he's going to go away, that the the cross is going to happen, and all these things without telling them exactly what's going to happen. He's speaking, you know, figuratively there, and, you know, the disciples are in confusion. They're like, is he literal? Is he? Figuratively, we were just really confused. And I just really, as I read that, I was like, these poor guys, they really don't know what he's talking about, you know. But it was kind of a funny moment for me. Verse 20, I assure you and most solemnly say to you that you will re- weep and grieve in great mourning. But 21 says, a woman when she is in labor has pain because her time to give birth has come. And when she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because the, the joy of her child has come into the world. I'm a mom. I had two babies. I remember what labor was like. But I remember the greater joy of having that little, you know, eight-pound guy put on my chest. So the labor, the pain that we go through, is always there's always joy that comes after it. God is too good to waste anything. There's always an end to our pain and joy in our labor. The things that we're going through they're temporary, there's going to be a joy at the end of it. Somewhere, somehow, because God is too good of a father to allow it to be anything else. Romans 8.18 says the pain that you've been feeling can't compare to the joy that's coming. It can't compare, it doesn't even come close to what God has in store for you. But I have to stop here because I know when my mom passed, I had to come to this um, this realization for myself that as Christians, as believers In Jesus, as believers, in an eternal hope, heaven is not our consolation prize, friends. It is not. It is the grand prize. It is our hope. It is our assurance as believers, as people that know him and love him. And so, I'm not going to get into more of that, but I just wanted to say that this morning, that it's not our consolation prize. It wasn't my mom's consolation prize. She loved Jesus with everything that she was here on earth, and she received her prize when she went home to glory. But our God is so good and so big that he doesn't waste anything in our lives. So he doesn't waste our labor. He turns it to joy. And there will come a time when we don't remember the pain anymore. We won't. Psalm 30 verse 11 says, You have turned my mourning uh, into dancing for me. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. And true joy, friends, only comes in the presence of Jesus. It only comes in the presence of our Father. The only way we will experience it. Because happiness is fleeting. Happiness is dependent upon your circumstances. One day you're up, one day you're down. It's like fickle theology. Right? But joy is something that is substantial. It's long-lasting. It's sustaining. Because it gets us through the most deepest, darkest, ugly times of our life. Because it's found only in his presence. So what do we do with our pain? What do we do when life hurts? We've got some choices, right? We have to allow it to push us deeper into the arms of Jesus. In that song that Lacey and Sylvia let us in this morning, prophesy your promise, it couldn't have been any more perfect. He's waiting for you to to walk into his open arms in your pain. You know, reminds me, what do we do when you're physically hurt, right? Like, I work at a school, I work actually at the same school Steph works at, funny enough, and sometimes, you know, you get a break duty with a bunch of little kids And they're running around and um, they trip, they fall, you know, they get hurt and they come to you and they're like, oh, my elbow, my elbow. What do you do with it? And so you kindly try to ask them to see it, right? You're like, come here, Let let me take a look, let me see it. I can't, if I can't see it, I can't help you. And you try to encourage them and you try to, you know, push into their pain. And then this sweet angel child, when you try to, you know, maybe move their hand, just gives you a good, don't touch it. Don't touch it. And then we send him to the office, and that's where Steph is, actually. Like, You know what? <laughs> We're done. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> go get an ice pack from the office, and they can deal with you. No. But seriously, aren't we like that? You know, we, we get hurt. We go through pain, and all of a sudden, we are pushing everybody away. We are keeping everybody at arm's length, and sometimes even the Lord. Sometimes even the one that has all the answers, the one that has everything we need. We're pushing him away. And while well, we are well, we are ready to tap out and say, God, I'm done. I can't do this anymore and throw in the towel. God is like, just tap me in. Just tap me in. Let me come into your circumstance. Let me come into your situation. We will do this together. He's already there in our our situations, but the cool thing about the Lord is that he doesn't force his way in. He's there, but it's like, we have to be willing to take his hand and allow him into our situation. Next scripture, James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience, the Amplified had to put that in there, produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let Endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. Look at your neighbor and say nothing, nothing. The word joy comes up again, consider all of it joy. Every moment, every circumstance, consider it all joy. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience, boo, sometimes we don't want the experience that goes along to test our faith, right? It produces endurance. It produces longevity. Oh, by the way, it also leads to spiritual maturity, which we all should be looking after too, right? Man, I want to be like, what the heck, Jesus? This is the only way we can get there? We got to go through all this stuff? You no, know, but it results in a perfectly developed work that lacks nothing. Lacks nothing. How many can think back over your, your life and you think to circumstances where you're like, you know, man, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't have the understanding I have today in this area, right? Because it's developing, it's an endurance, it's a longevity. It allows you to stand in front of somebody that's facing pain and say, it will be okay. Well, how do you know it'll be okay? Because I was there once. I was there once and my God is faithful for me. He'll be faithful for you. He doesn't know how to be anything less because faithful is his name, right? So we can't skip our process I got a lot of parts of my story I wish I could skip. But I can look back and say, Jesus, you were faithful. So instead, we need to allow ourselves to lean in close to the Father. We need to be at his chest. We need to embrace it. We need to ride the waves together with Jesus as they come. There's so many times in my life where I've had conversations with the Lord, and they go, you know, something like this, Jesus, I really don't understand this. you all understand everything God does all the time? Because I don't. I don't like it. There's so many things in this world I don't like. In my life, I don't, I don't like immediately. But I trust you. I give up my right to understand what's going on. And I surrender to you. I surrender to your plan and what you're doing for me. And in my life. There's a place of surrender that happens when we say, I don't understand, and that's okay. I don't have to understand. You are God, and I am not. And I will trust your heart. When my mom passed, uh, grief is is weird. Grief is super weird. And her death was unexpected. Um, And so, and she was mentally ill for many, many years. And we prayed for healing for many, many years. And so, uh, there was a lot of uh, really cool details that surrounded her passing that I won't get into right now. But... I remember in the early days, especially, and you know, honestly, some days they still happen. She's passed about three years ago now, three and a half years ago, you know, and it's just one of those things, right? But there's no way to prepare yourself for it. It's just one of those things in life. And I remember, though, uh, even now when I feel grief kind of creeping in, and it can come at the weirdest times, totally unexpected times, and I feel it coming in, and I will say this just (laughs) silently to the Lord and say, you know what, I feel it. I feel this wave coming on, and um, Lord... I will process this, I will ride out this wave, but I won't do it without you, hold my hand. Let's do this together, because pain is real, and grief is real, and the things that come into our life are very real, and we can't do them without him. One thing that, um, you know, in all of this preparation, I thought, you know, it's so interesting. We, our lives are such a masterpiece, though. They are so intric- intricately and strategically designed and crafted. God is a master creator. He doesn't make mistakes in our life. He doesn't make mistakes in our journey. We, we do, <laughs> but he's there for us to help us clean up those mistakes, right? And he knows what he's doing even in the middle of our pain. It's not like we're good, our season of pain happens, and he's like, well, I'll be back at the other side when you see the light at the, other, you know, at the end of the tunnel. He walks through the valley with us. He walks with us. Um, the story of the potter's house that's in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. I'm just going to read that quickly. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord said, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will make you hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and saw that he was working at the wheel, but the vessel that he was making from clay was spoiled by the potter's hand, so he made it over, reworking it and making it into another pot that seemed good to him. Go down to the potter's house There, I will make you hear my words. Don't you know, guys, that we hear the voice of the Lord differently when we hurt? There's something about the shaping, there's something about the pressing. And sometimes we feel like He's silent. He's not silent, He is there, and He is there in the pressing, and He is there in the squeezing, and everything that that entails. Sometimes we feel like clay, we're spinning in circles. Like, not knowing what ends up. We're being built up one day to feel like literally we've been taken off the wheel and smashed the next. Right? Just me? Just me. (laughs) But the process of creating pottery isn't easy. There's so much work that goes into it, there's endless hours that have to be put into it for the potter. It's frustrating at times, but it's all for the sake of this divine masterpiece at the end. You're the masterpiece. You're the masterpiece. It's in the pressing, the molding, that our longevity is shaped. Whether we like it or not, those are the moments that our faithfulness and our longevity is really um, comes to surface. And sometimes, oftentimes, we won't see it until we are years down the line going, oh, oh, that happened once before. And yet here I am and this time I handle it differently and I stand differently with a different authority, because he's already brought me through that place. So we will see it in times to come. The endurance is created, it produces a finished work that only a master creator could design, that only he could know. In those moments of pain, we hold on to what we know the Father has done for us in the past. He's done amazing, amazing things. We recognize the miracles that have already come in our lives, but we, and we acknowledge that it's something that only he could do. Because at the end of the day, it's all about him. I don't do anything on my own. I don't. It's all him all the time. And I love this. uh, I don't know who said it, but it's uh, a quote I found years ago. And it says, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. There are so many times we cannot exactly trace the finger of God to understand. But we trust his heart for us. A clay blob has to go through a whole process to be a finished work. It start, starts out as just a clump, but the molding and shaping pre- prepare it for what's coming. The firing process and the glazing process are said to bring the clay to high temperatures, to bring it to maturity. So those high temperatures in our lives, the pressing of our lives, is to bring us to a finished work lacking nothing. Didn't we read that a little bit ago? It brings, <laughs> brings about a perfect work, which is what we're after, which, which is what the Lord is after in us. And while we're not promised painless life, we're not promised rainbows and butterflies all the time, what we are given and promised is the authority to overcome any and all obstacles that come our way. Because we have the Lord. Keep your focus on him. Know that he's good. Know that in the middle of your pain, he doesn't like shift his gaze from you. He doesn't remove his hand from you. He's still there. He's still looking straight at you. He's still holding your hand, no matter what you are facing this morning, I'm going to kind of reiterate a few things as points before we close. So the first thing we're going to do in our pain family is we're going to trust him. Look at your neighbor again and say, I'm going to trust him. We can guys have conversation. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Amplified, says this. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him, and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. Trust our Jesus and trust your process with him. Acknowledge him in your now, but look to past experiences and the things he's brought you through. They'll keep you going. I've known Jesus a long time. They will keep you going. He's removed obstacles for you in the past and he's going to remove them again. Isaiah 26.3 says you will keep in perfect and constant peace the ones whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. Eyes on him, all the time. Eyes on him, the season of pain will end. It'll end, but he'll keep you in peace on your way there. Number two, lean into your daddy. When I was little, my dad is like one of my best friends, and I would just go and like climb up into his lap and just lean, just like put my whole body on him. We need to get to the point where that we are that way with Jesus. Lean into him. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to lean. I'm going to lean. If I don't know how I'm going to learn, it's going to get you through. Philippians 4.13 says this, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infused inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Lean into the, the sufficiency of your father. We are not sufficient. We are not capable. He is sufficient and he is more than capable. Lean into him. He infuses inner strength to us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And because of that, I have, you have all we need to continue on and to move through what is in front of us. Unless I lean, he cannot hold. You ever tried to uh, hug a toddler or a person, actually, that just wasn't feeling the hug? You know, you're like, you're ready to be all affectionate, and they're like this. Sometimes we're like that with Jesus. We won't relax, we won't loosen, we won't lean. And if we don't lean, he can't hold us because we're trying to attempt to do things on our own. So we have to let loose, we have to allow him to be a safe place. We have people in our lives that we deem as safe places, but the safest place should be the arms of your heavenly father. So unless I choose, it's a choice, to allow him to be sufficient in my pain, I really am just trying to be self-sufficient. The third and last thing that I will say, and we didn't really cover this, so this is praise. We're going to praise him in our pain. He knows everything about us. He's, he's in every situation. Psalm 139 speaks of his omnipresence and omniscience. As we praise him in our pain, there's a realization that this divine creator that is so far above us knows us. He's intimately acquainted with us. Our praise is a weapon against the pain that we're facing, against the attacks that the enemy will throw at us, uh, when we, that we'll face. But praise also, it reminds our spirits of who God is. As we praise, it's like we release, we release just who he's been to us, who we know he is and who he will be. It, it really just shows us who he is. I'm going to ask um, everyone if you would just close your eyes. And I just want to read this passage of scripture over you this morning. Because I know that there are people here that are, we've got pain. We have all are living life. And we got stuff. So I'm going to read Psalm 139 verses 1 through 18 over you this morning. It says, Oh Lord, you've searched me and know me thoroughly and have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, my entire life, everything I do. You understand my thoughts from afar You scrutinize my path and my lying down, and you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue still unspoken, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before, and you have placed your hand upon me. Such infinite knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high above me, I cannot reach it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of death, of the dead, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will take hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the night will be the only light around me, even the darkness is not too dark for you and conceals nothing from you. But the night shines as bright as the day Darkness and light are alike to you, for you form my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I give thanks and praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret, and intricately and skillfully formed, as if in your book, or as if embroidered with many colors, in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my informed substance. And in your book were written the days that were appointed for me. When as yet there was not one of them even taking shape. How precious also are your thoughts of me, O God. How vast the sum of them. If I could count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Family, no matter where you find yourself, we're with him. He's with us. And I do, I want to close with with this, that he's not okay with your pain. He's not okay with your pain. Whether it is emotional, physical, um, he's not okay with it. Mental, he's not okay with it. And so this morning, um, I wanna give an opportunity to pray for you. If you found yourself in a, pace, a place of, of a physical pain, mental, you know, whatever, I'm gonna ask some of my leaders to come And we're just going to, you know, I'm going to pray, actually. I'll pray and kind of end the service. But if you would like prayer, please come up, and we'd be happy to meet with you and pray for you. So, Father, I just thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that amongst all the pain and the, the things that we will face in this life, that you are good. That not for a moment do you turn your gaze from us, not for a moment do you take your hands off of us. So, Father, I just bless your people this morning. I bless your sons. I bless your daughters, God. That wherever they find themselves, Lord, they would know that you are with them. In Jesus' name, amen.